Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And sitting across from me is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. The sun shone, having no alternative on the nothing new. Hmm. Welcome to part two of our story about Hewlett Packard. Which has been a company about almost everything new in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was all about new measuring devices for other devices. Yep. If you're just tuning in, uh, two guys named Bill and Dave decided to work in a garage, a garage. and uh, create a company because they were both electrical engineers and uh, their uh, their mentor from college, from Stanford University in Palo Alto, California, said, hey, you know, you, you should come up with some kind of measurement tools uh, that will uh, be able to help companies identify negative feedback. Uh, and they... Did and then they started making other kinds of products too, and uh, gradually, uh, and when I say gradually, very rapidly, 
in a uh, burgeoning electronic field uh, were able to demonstrate their leadership both as innovators in technology and innovators in price uh, mm-hmm. were able to a- accumulate a, a pretty big business customer base in very short time. They also did a lot to help employees and change the way people did business in the United States. And if you're wondering about other famous companies that began as a, uh, a business run out of a garage in California, look up companies like Apple, Microsoft, and Google. Yes. Because as it turns out, if you want to create a technology company in California, your best bet is to start in someone's garage. You know, it doesn't I, necessarily have to be yours either. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I have a carport, <laughs> and I feel like most of my projects are sort of open-ended. Right, right. So, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it doesn't, you don't have the, the full protection that a garage provides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got a garage, but I only run a lemonade stand, and unfortunately my garage does not face the road, so it has had some t- hard times starting off. Also, we're in the winter right now, so not a huge demand. Clearly, I should have looked at my goals a little more closely before I launched this, this endeavor. Mm-hmm. But let's get back to HP. Yeah, we decided we were going to take a break uh, toward the end of the 1950s, right yep. before the end of the 1950s, literally, because, um, uh, again, as, as you're just tuning in, uh, HP has grown so much in its first 20 years um, that um, – wait, no. Yeah. Yeah. First, first 20, 20 years. years. Just making sure I did my math right. <laughs> uh, that uh, it, it has decided that it can grow globally, and it um, decides to open its own uh, marketing Group in Switzerland and a uh, manufacturing operation in Germany. Yep. So now we've got uh, locations in Europe and in the United States, and it has become a multinational corporation. Yes. Uh, also in 1959, HP acquired its second company, the Boonton Radio Corporation, which was originally founded in 1934. And this company created electronic test equipment. So right there in HP's wheelhouse. Uh, so the company is kind of solidifying its its um, place in the electronics market, and uh, again, still really concentrating on one particular set of electronic devices, stuff that's not for consumers. I think it's interesting because Chris, now when you think of HP today, you often what what sort of products do you think of? Well, I think of of consumer products, especially computers, right? Uh, because that's what I see. More advertising for and computers. I, I I tend to think also of printers. Yes, HP is very true. big in the world of printers. So we we tend to think of these devices as HP. If you say HP today, and we'll get to it in our our third part about how when HP was looking at the possibility of spinning off its personal computer business, everyone freaked out. But really, when you look at the history of the company as a whole. The personal computer business is just a very tiny sliver of what that company is all about. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to forget that because that's sort of the face that the public is really familiar with. Mm-hmm. But, yes, this this Boonton Radio Corporation was more along the lines of what the the real core of HP's business was all about, creating these these devices that help companies measure and quantify what their systems are doing. This is really important in businesses like radio or telecommunications where you build up these complex networks, these complex infrastructures, and you have to be able to test different parts of the infrastructure to make sure everything's working properly. Right. Um, well, as, as you pointed out, too, um, you know, uh, you might think that a company that is 
uh, started and organized and run by engineers might be more uh, methodical and may not necessarily have that um, business aspect to it where the the person running the company is a real uh, business person. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, Bill Hewlett and, and Dave Packard always had the sort of a, an idea of how they wanted to run a company yeah. behind it. And they came up with the HP way of doing things and uh, – Mr. Packard came up with his uh, eleven rules, his of 11 interpersonal rules. interactions, and, and those included uh, keeping an eye on your core businesses and uh, growing to to make sure that you're competitive in the right. future. And right. the, this acquisition sort of, I, I think, exemplifies that because it is it is both of those things. Yeah, and uh, also mm-hmm. in 1959, that was the year. If you listen to our previous podcast about HP, I mentioned that HP had created a spinoff company called, uh, well, originally Dynac, but then later Dymec, mm-hmm. uh, and they did they figured out the name by flipping the HP logo upside down and saying, hey, this HP looks like a DY. Uh, well, in, in 1959, that's when they folded Dymec back into the HP. Actually, I guess not back into, but brought Dymec under the fold of the umbrella of HP. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it became a division within the company. Now, in 1958, that was when HP had created this whole division structure. So Dymec became its own sort of uh, autonomous division within HP. And that and that organization was uh, built to basically offer uh, solutions to customers using HP products. Yeah. So it made sense that they weren't so far removed from the mother company that uh, it was going to be a poor fit. Now, do you have anything for 1960? Because my next note is for 61. Yeah, another acquisition. Uh, yeah. Well, they acquired the Sanborn Company, which was a medical equipment manufacturer. Now, this is a different, a bit of a different field for them. Right, and uh, and this would be part of HP for well several decades. Um, it would eventually spin off, and we'll talk about that when it happens. But this was an attempt on HP's part to really kind of broaden its its horizons and get into sure. some industries that, at, at this point, it really hadn't dipped its toe into. And also, in 1961, it was a a big year for HP because on March 17th, it listed for the very first time on the New York Stock Exchange. Yes. So, uh, you know, it it had launched its IPO previously, but now it's actually listed on the uh, NYSE, which Mm -hmm. that's a big deal for a company. Yes, yes. Um, And as a matter of fact, in in 62, uh, HP had another famous... uh, uh, organization take note of them. Fortune, the magazine, they, yeah. they were named to the Fortune 500 list at number 460. It's yep. hard for me to believe now that HP was ever that low on that list. Yeah. But, you know, they they did start at one point. Yep, yep. And this is, you know, again, it's the company's not even 30 <laughs> years old yet. And it's that's, uh, that's impressive. Yeah, and it makes the Fortune 500 list, and you know, yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive. And that year, they brought in revenues of around 110 million dollars, and they had more than 6,000 employees by now. So big jump from that two employee operation run out of a garage in Palo Alto. Yes, indeed. So in, in 1963, the the company comes up with the 5100A frequency analyzer, mm-hmm. which uh, you know you, it's it's one of those pieces of equipment again not meant for the average consumer unless you go into space. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you want to take a look at these, uh, HP has a lot of uh, pictures of these, and, and I don't know if you took a look at some of them. Uh, for some of these products, brochures as well to sell those products, right? Um, which are very, very entertaining. 
Um, but you can get an idea of look at of looking at these early instruments that HP was providing. Now, uh, the documentation I read about them was that they they were very they weren't glamorous. They weren't pretty boxes, but they no. did they worked very well. The early ones were actually housed in wooden boxes, wooden yeah. cabinets, but eventually uh, HP came up with decided that this this sort of decorative finish uh, all it really did was it added bulk and expense to the item and it yes. wasn't really useful. I mean it, but yeah, there was a time early in the the history of HP's products where if you bought one of these devices it would be have you know the metal front facing with all the controls and everything. And then the actual frame was wood. And they used oak, by the way. Interesting. That was the That's the wood of choice. Wood. Yes, it was, they decided not to go with the industry standard and they decided to go with oak. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Uh, by the way, when you talk about those brochures trying to sell these products, I can't help but think of 
like the stereotypical 1950s commercial where you hear like the music do 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 and you say, have you come back from a long day at work only to jump into your deep space exploration vehicle and realize you don't have a frequency analyzer? We have just the item for you. It sounds like the uh, the Raymond Scott accompany, accompanied uh, item of the future yes. sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- these these pieces of equipment, uh, since they weren't really aimed at the consumer market, they're the kinds of things that uh, look like they came came off the set of a 1950s science fiction film when they're trying to recreate the control room of a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. These uh, are definitely stuff that beeps. Yeah, exactly. These are definitely the machines that go ping. Yes. Um, yeah, and also but they work. They they did their actual work very well. Yes. Yes. Not not exciting to look. Yeah. At. No. It's. It, if, if to the average person, they, it looks like you know random piece of electronic equipment. A hey, it's got a meter on it. What does it do? It, yeah. it measures the sound of frequencies. Yeah. There. Really? What does it do? Why? Why does it do that? It's important. <laughs> it's useful. But yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's the trick of really learning about HP's early products. Is that if you really want to know the you know why these things were important, you'd have to have we'd have to do like two more podcasts just to explain the. The, the equipment that this stuff was used to measure. Yes, but it helped the companies that used them uh, <laughs> measurably. Yes. Well, in 1963, they also entered their first joint venture. Ah, uh, yes. They formed the Yokogawa Hewlett Packard Venture. In Tokyo. Yeah. So uh, this, again, shows that the company is looking to, to expand, and this uh, the Yokogawa Hewlett Packard Venture would actually meet with great success. Absolutely. Uh, become very uh, uh, a very powerful company in its own right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, 1964. We have some uh, some titles coming down. Yep. Packard becomes the CEO of Hewlett-Packard and Hewlett becomes the president of Hewlett-Packard. Mm-hmm. He was also the uh, Packard was also the chairman. Yes, he would later become the chairman as well. And in fact, Old blue eyes. No, wait, that's a different <laughs> different chairman. chairman. Different chairman of the board. Um, in fact, eventually, not yet, but eventually, it would become pretty standard at HP for a single person to hold the titles of CEO, president, and chairman. Yeah. Now, at this point, that's divided up. Packard is CEO and chairman, and Hewlett is the president. Um, and 1964 was also when the 5060A launched. Ah, uh, the atomic clock, a yes. new standard for international time. Yeah, atomic clocks, very, very accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing, nothing says uh, what time is it like atomic decay. Yep, yep. And again, if you look at one of these things, it doesn't look like your average desk or your uh, clock radio that sits on your bedside table. It, yeah, it's, it's a big machine with lots of things on right, it. Right. It's not when Mickey's big hand is on the mushroom cloud and his little <laughs> hand is on the Manhattan Project. That means it's time to get out of the oh, house. Oh. Crawl into something that's lead. Yeah, there's a completely different clock from the um, the bulletin, the atomic scientists that, that measures that. I read a different brochure than you did. <clears throat> anyway, okay. So should we get into uh, the 1966 period? Sure. Uh, that's when HP Laboratories. Laboratories. Oh no. Laboratories. That was uh, that was the first time at which they actually said, "Hey, let's set aside a group of people." Dedicated to come up with new and cool stuff. Yeah, this is their research and development arm, where they're really looking into breaking ground in new technologies, which, you know, again, HP wasn't so concerned with previously in its history. It's not that they weren't innovative. They were, they, they really looked at improving existing technologies, making them more affordable, making them more efficient. Um, and both Hewlett and Packard were 
were known for designing their own, you know, devices that would later become products within the HP line. But this is a group specifically dedicated to, hey guys, uh, make new stuff. Yep. And they picked a guy named Barney Oliver to lead the group. Yep. He was the founding director of HP Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and 1966 was also when a new first for HP launched. The 2116A? Yes. The oh. first computer have created you, by HP. Have you seen this thing? Yes. When Mickey's big hand is on the mushroom cloud. <laughs> no, I did, I did see this. It was, it was, um, it was pretty big. Although we should say not as big as some of the other computers that were uh, that were just hitting the market in the in the mid '60s. I love the language that HP used on its timeline for this. The first go anywhere, do anything computer. Yes, yes if you had a forklift. Right, but still, it was not the size not of a an laptop. entire room. It wasn't as big as an entire room like some computers were. Yes, this uh, is not what you would consider a netbook, however. No, but it was the first time that HP used integrated circuits in its electronics. And uh, the computer was meant to work in an, a quote-unquote average environment, meaning that you wouldn't necessarily have to have a heavily air-conditioned room with right. spring-loaded floors so that uh, so that it could support this machine and and make sure that it doesn't overheat. You know, the, the idea was that HP was trying to aim for a market for businesses that needed computing power, but didn't necessarily have the um, the money to spend not just on the computer, but also on completely renovating a, a part of their building so that it could support a computer. Right, right. Because think about that. Let's say that you own a business already, and it's a successful business, and you need a computer for some reason, like database management. And you realize that if you were to buy the computer, not only would it cost an astronomical amount, but you would have to completely change at least part of your building so that it could hold a computer. This was kind of HP's solution to that problem. And uh, it originally had 4K of magnetic core memory, expandable yep. up to 32K. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's important, too, to note that um, they developed this, this device very quickly for a, a device like it. And um, it was fairly rare for a computer to ship with its own software at this point. But, yeah. but this one did. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, it took several data systems engineers and uh, Dimec employees working together to get this thing going. But it did power the um, Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute's uh, work for many years. Yeah, and it was actually used on a boat. Yes, it was. was so, so it was exposed to sea air and was still able to work for more than a decade. You mean the uh, the chain? Yeah, that was the uh, the research vessel that, yeah. that used this this computer. And so the original cost for one of these things, depending on if you wanted it totally tricked out or not, the base totally cost tricked was, out. You mean yeah. with the uh, the flame paint job and the uh, side and the, exhaust stacks and, and yeah, and it and the glowing undercarriage. Yeah, uh, tricked out meaning that it had 32k of memory. Uh, you hear it going down the street, go. The base price was <laughs> base. Hmm. Yeah. The base price was twenty five grand. And uh, the upper level of it was uh, fifty grand, which in today's dollars, because you knew I had to do that, right? Yep. One hundred forty-six thousand nine hundred seventy-one dollars for the cheap version. <laughs> cheap. Or two hundred ninety-three thousand nine hundred forty-three dollars for the expensive one. So more than a quarter of a million dollars if you wanted to have that thirty-two k of memory. Yeah. Boy, I'm glad the memory prices have gone down recently. Well, running a business is no cakewalk. 
there is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Um, it's interesting. Uh, we should probably step it up because we're hoping to make it to the 80s here. Um, but that that is an important that is an important product. Also, the next one that I had was the one they came out with in 1968, which, depending on how you looked at it, was the first personal computer. Yeah, if you looked at the advertising, it was the, the advertising first personal copy. computer. Uh, uh, so this is the first time, the first documented case of the term personal computer, and it's for. The uh, the HP 9100A. Yes. And this was not a personal computer the way you and I are familiar. Um, it's not not like a desktop computer you sit down or even a laptop or anything. No, it was a scientific calculator. Um, it was meant as a personal computer in the sense that it could compute operations. Like yeah. you would put in a scientific operation and it could give you the answer. Yeah. It wasn't meant as a computer that would run programs the way yeah. that the modern computers do. Well, Wired Magazine said it was uh, the first personal computer. And I would argue that if you take it in the literal sense, they're probably right. Um, it's it's a fairly big machine. Again, there are photos of it on the uh, the HP website. 
Um, but it, it was a, a pretty significant machine. I mean, compared to other devices that would, would do this level of work, um, you know, it was a smaller device mm-hmm. and it could be used, uh, you know, pretty easily. Um, it, it is bulky by today's terms, by, by, uh, by every stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, but it could do a lot. Um, and, uh, and it was, you know, able, you could, you could put this on your desk. Yes. So, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's, when you take it down to the, the term computer, I think that's an accurate description. But yeah, it doesn't do all the stuff that you're not, you're not going to play Farmville on this. Yeah, thing. you're not going to think of it as a PC. No, uh-uh. But, it, but, but that is interesting that it was the first documented case of personal computer. Now, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that it, what that term wasn't used before this. It's just this is the earliest documented instance. Mm-hmm. So in 1969, um, the United States uh, calls upon Packard. Yeah, again, so Hewlett had uh, uh, been uh, uh, in charge. You know, Hewlett had served time in, in the United States Army as an officer. Yeah, from uh, uh, forty-one through forty-seven. Mm-hmm. But in nineteen sixty-nine, the United States uh, government called upon Packard and appointed him to be the U.S. Deputy of Defense. Yeah. So Hewlett became the CEO, the president and CEO in Packard's absence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that, that's pretty significant because yeah. again, one of the, the commitments that he wanted to make for the company was service. Right. Um, serving so, your community and serving your country. And yeah, 1969 through 1972, that's an extensive time period for any, any, you know, industry leader to step away and refocus on, uh, a government position. Mm-hmm. And this is also a time when the company is sort of gradually expanding its work to include more than just uh, measurement and medical devices, but they're also getting in on the ground floor of what would become personal computing. Right. So 1971, HP introduces laser interferometers, which take measurements using lasers. Mm-hmm. You know, so that they, they started to get into that. Uh, 1972, they introduced the HP 3000. Which was a computer meant for businesses. It wasn't a personal computer, but it was meant to uh, help businesses manage databases. Mm-hmm. And um, they also introduced the HP 35. Ah, uh, now the HP 35. Actually, there are a couple models. Um, well, sort of. The HP 35 Classic wa- is a handheld calculator. Yeah. Um, they did, however, uh, uh, offer Mr. Hewlett an abacus version of it. Uh, nice. They took a shell and put an abacus where the buttons would be and, and presented it to him. There's a, a photo of it. It's classic. It's I, an awesome joke. Apparently, he thought it was hilarious. I didn't see this one, but that does sound like something uh, he would appreciate. I, I would hold up. Known, um, <laughs> I, generally, I try not to hold stuff up where Jonathan can see it during the podcast because he you know, sort of goes, huh? Especially um, since I don't have my glasses on. Oh, okay. Well, then <laughs> so I'll, show, you, I'll like, show it to you later. Uh, but yeah, this was, this was a uh, – uh, I, when I think of calculators in the 1970s, I think of T.I., Texas yeah. Instruments, a company yeah. we have already talked about. Sure. Um, but HP was definitely right in there with them, mixing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the HP 35 was one of the workhorses of the 70s handheld calculators. Yeah, and, and HP claims it's the first handheld scientific calculator. So not necessarily the first handheld calculator, but first handheld scientific calculator. Right. So um, they were doing science. Yes. This is a triumph. Making a note here. Huge Wait. success. Look at us here talking when there's science to be done. 1973. The HP 45? Uh, this is, is that the one that can print in Japanese? 
Because there is, in 1973, they did introduce a scientific calculator that could print in Japanese. That was actually, uh, you know, that sounds like it might be pretty trivial, but really when you think about how complex the, uh, the, uh, it is to, to be able to print in a, uh, another language like that, especially one that has a completely different concept as far as alphabets are concerned, um, well, the, it's a uh, big deal. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, the 45 had uh, numbered data registers, the ability to store and recall mm-hmm. um, math, and could uh, could do built-in conversion. It's better at uh, math than I am than I can store and recall. Also had uh, a hidden timer inside. So if you weren't doing your work fast enough, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the HP 80 was the first pocket-sized business calculator, um, which was following on the, the HP 35 success. Yep. And then and, and it had an HP. Uh, there was an HP eighty one, which had a desktop printing capability too. So in nineteen seventy four, oh. HP produced the first mini computer to rely on dynamic random access memory chips, or DRAM. DRAM. We've talked about that recently yep. on, the, on the show. And they also created the first programmable pocket calculator. Ah, uh, I'm the operator of my pocket calculator. It's nineteen seventy five. Uh, they introduced an interface bus, which was, uh, you know, th- this is what lets computers work with other devices. Yes. Um, so it's a place where you plug in other stuff. Right. So, I mean, again, it sounds like, well, you know, what's the big deal there? Well, if you don't have one of these, then your devices are all working independently of each other. And in order for you to, to you know, plug in information from one to another, you have to do it manually. This would allow devices to actually communicate with one another um, pretty limited basis at this point in the history of computing, but still a big development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, and you can tell, again, we're, we're getting into the era where things are supposed to talk to other things. So um, if you had a calculator, you might need it to print, um, and you might want a pocket calculator that might need to be attached to a printer or uh, a computer that might need to be attached to a printer. So mm-hmm. that, something like that is very important. <clears throat> and then... So my next note is in 1977. Oh, in 1977. Well, I had the HP 97, oh, okay. which is yet another calculator. Again, they're, they're making business machines. But if you think about it, um, a measuring device might be used by the engineers in the department of a different company. Yeah. So this is my, my take on this. You start thinking about scientific calculators, handheld calculators, pocket calculators. These are the kinds of things that might be used by... The engineers and the business people, yeah, the accounting side, or yeah, this is we're starting marketing. Yeah, we're starting to see a transition where the devices are getting less specialized. Yes, Um, and and really, you can look at this also as a slow move toward the consumer market. Mm -hmm. Uh, It'd still be a while before we actually hit true consumer products through HP, but it's um, it's a good indicator. So in '77, Hewlett retires as president, but he remains the CEO. Yeah. Uh, and a fellow by the name of John Young becomes the president of HP. Yes. And Packard remains the chairman of the board. Yes. Um, did you want to talk about the HP 01? Well, I don't have any notes on it, so I could, oh. but if I do, I'm going to be making it all up. The HP 01 calculator watch. <laughs> it looked like a, a digital watch, but had a calculator in it. It had more than three dozen functions, according to HP. So we're beginning to learn a lot more about Mr. Paulette in this podcast as his excitement over calculators becomes something troubling to me. Uh, well, sometimes you need that extra digit. Um, 
I, I love the way this says. Uh, the, the copy on the HP website said it allowed you to manipulate and interrelate time. So apparently you could go <laughs> forward and backward in time. So then you could go back to 1957, buy and, that stock, and head forward exactly. to 1999 and sell it. Um, it was codenamed Cricket, and it was a business failure. It was huge, um, and they only like, sold it through... Like huge as in the, it was a large... Watch. You couldn't lift your arm. Wow. Put your arms down when you get to school. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm teasing. But it was it was bulky. If you look again, they have photos on the HP site. It was not uh, a small device by today's <laughs> terms. Um, but it did have a, a stylus built into the uh, the bracelet part of the watch. Wow. So you could use it for that. Um, it was also uh, to the point where they only sold it in high end jewelry stores. So you know. Um, However, because the uh, the miniaturization was kind of uh, um, proprietary, you might say, mm. uh, as soon as they discontinued its manufacture, they destroyed it so that they couldn't that no one else could get hold of the uh, they, it wouldn't fall into the wrong hands. Well, if you got a time machine, you got to be able to destroy it because otherwise, who knows could, who could get hold of it? Yes, yes. But at the time it was released, uh, you could buy one for six hundred fifty dollars for the silver version or seven hundred fifty for the gold version. Wow, not cheap. No. That's not cheap in today's dollars. No. So anyhow, so, we're getting close to the end of the seventies. Yeah, nineteen seventy-eight. Hewlett retires completely yes. from the company. And John, sort Young, of. John Young becomes president and CEO. Well, Hewlett, he, they had trouble retire, truly retiring. Yeah, well, he's, it was their baby. You I, know? They, I don't blame they them. They made this this company, but he, he he's no longer the the head of the company. Uh, John Young is both president and CEO at that time. Mm-hmm. And then in 1979, HP creates the HP Company Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this point. The revenues for the company are at 2.4 billion with a B dollars, and and HP employs more than 50,000 people. Yes, and this is when they decide that HP would be far more successful if disco music weren't popular. So they they began a a campaign to end the popularity of disco. disco. I'm kidding. That's 40 years after the founding of the company. That's true. That's uh, true. And now they Huge are... Huge success. Yeah. I mean, I mean no, no portal joke intended there. Exactly. I mean, really absolutely established itself as a, a massive success. And uh, this marks a time where, you know, in, in 1980, we're going to see some uh, some interesting um, developments, including HP's move into the industries that we're familiar with today, the consumer industries we're familiar with today. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that that will serve as our third and final part of the HP story mm-hmm. as it stands today. <laughs> Clearly, the company is still going as we speak, so it's not that their history is over, but we are going to cover uh, from 1980 up to present day, uh, as of the recording of this podcast anyway, in our next segment. Yes, it gets considerably messier in the next segment. Yeah, this is where we start to wince. Um and we'll get into why that is. And it's it's a complex story and not an entirely happy one. No. But uh, still very important company. So we will we will cover that in our next episode. If you guys have any suggestions for topics you would like us to cover, whether it's another focus on a company or an innovator or if it's a specific product or just a, a concept in technology in general, let us know. You can drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuff. HSW. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. 
Join House Tough Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House Tough Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Zumo Play.